0: Hello, Creedcast, uh, coming at you with a little bit of a preview for our big match against the Demons up in Alice Springs, the Red Center tomorrow. Um, pretty excited for this one. Uh, I'll, I'll be working during it, so i we'll be catching some of it. I'm excited for the game anyway, regardless of how I'm going to actually consume it, uh, depending on how work goes tomorrow. But uh, yeah, I'll either be watching it live uh, or watching a mixture of live when I can and catch it on replay later. But uh, yeah, it's a big opportunity for us uh, to kind of respond to you know, our form earlier in the year, um, how everything was going there, the 0-5, all that chaos, because um, this is a team we've played, um, and obviously being the defending premiers, uh, a pretty good barometer either way, but it's a team we've played and and showed probably the worst of what this Port Adelaide team can be when we're at our lowest ebb earlier in the year, and um, this is a real opportunity to respond and kind of show where we've grown, which is a few key areas which I know that we've grown, and it's this has really put it to the test, and then, you know, there's some areas where we're still improving, and and we'll find out how close to the bar we are. So, yeah, a lot of things to look at in this game, and I'm um, excited to get into it. So I'll do a little bit of a preview here, just my thoughts on it, you know, as per usual. Um, amateur hour with me, usually. But so it'll be take what you can, you know, take what you can out of it and whatever, and, you know, it'll be what it'll be. Um, and then I'm, I'm going to talk about, we were down at the open training earlier this week, down at the precinct. We've got to check out the precinct for the first time. we kind of got to check out the full... Redo of the club, uh, for the first time since um since I've opened up the store and the museum and all that. I'd sh- I'd seen the store late last year, um, and then just this year with COVID and, and work and everything. I just hadn't and you know then it costing um you know co- costing an interest rate rise uh, in petrol to get down there. I just haven't been down there for a while. Um, but so got to check out the precinct and all that. So I'll give my thoughts on that uh, at the end after I do a preview and then a little bit just a little bit of AFLW update and trying to um, I uh, get a lot more AFLW into this as well because obviously they are as much of a cl- part of this club as anything. So um, I did a uh, it was a nice uh, little jumper number reveal this week with a little bit of an explanation from all the ladies as to why their jumper numbers some are obvious obviously um, and some were just some fun stories and um, so yeah a little bit of a little bit of everything here but yeah we'll talk about the match tomorrow uh, for the first ten fifteen minutes here or whatever amount of time it takes for me to get through it and then just a little bit of a little bit of whatever else at the end here but um yeah excited to actually be doing a preview um even though I'm still a little bit late getting into it you know you'll be listening to this um you know unless you're a night owl like me um listening to this when it drops um record is currently 8:35 p.m. on Saturday the 16th Uh, It depends if you catch this uh, late at night tonight when I actually drop it um, after recording or uh, you catch it tomorrow morning. Sunday morning in the lead-up to the game, um, it's a little late as per usual, but I'm trying to get back into a little bit more of the regular schedule even as we uh, slowly pack up our house here and get ready to move. Settlement date a month away for us here. Um, Yeah, a lot of things happening, but really excited to continue um, doing this. So I will take a quick break here and get into the uh, preview of our match against the Demons. All righty, so... As I mentioned, massive game against the demons coming up tomorrow, two fifty uh, PM our Alberton standard time. So a nice kind of mid-afternoon Sunday game for us to all sit back and watch. Um, well, unless you're me and you're working, but uh, yeah, I want to sit back and watch on a Sunday afternoon. I hope is hope to see um, a fair bit of improvement from the last time out against this mob. This is the this is the one I've con- I've called back to a bit. If you listen to the kind of reviews previews, um, you know. Often, um, you, you'll, know to, you'll know that I, I call back to this game often. as the real, real low point. Like, I mean, you know, you look at the the Hawthorne result in round two and just go, that was an aberration because it was just so unexpected to lose, It'd be dominated that badly by a uh, um, a team that we considered below us and, and to be fair, are below us, uh, you know, in, in form and, you know, ladder, ladder position, all that stuff. Um, but at the time, they just were playing, they just were, you know, new coach feels and whatever maybe and... And all that stuff, but um, you know, the game against Melbourne, I think, was really where we just showed how far away we were at the start of the year, because this was a team that um, you know, late last year, as a team in the top four, we were trying to match ourselves against the best, and we, you know, it, when before the, the horror show of the prelim final, you know, there was that that little twenty hour period when Melbourne had gotten through that we were we were all you know dreaming of flying to Perth and. And seeing how, and thinking about how we'd match up against, them. not that we've got to head ourselves, but it's, it's impossible not to when you think you, you know, a good chance of making it. So that's we were kind of hoping to match ourselves up with them in the big in the big dance. And then you know, six months later, we're playing against them at home at Adelaide Oval, and and we kind of get into a dire kind of a trudgy, uh, you know, um, real kind of trench warfare thing with them in, in in that first quarter. You know, really low scoring and and just you know really tentative and. And trying to feel each other out, and really almost trying to defend against what they do, and and seeding, you know, Max Gorn was dominant, and we were just we just weren't playing our our brand of footy. And the, when they finally broke through our lines, it was just an absolute, you know, absolute siege on us with five goals in ten minutes or whatever it was, and that ended up being the margin of victory. And and we just never really fired a shot, and you know, we we're scoreless at halftime or goalless at halftime, and all that just horror show of what that night was as far as. Um, the I mean, the cannon fodder it justly gave the 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 poor haters out there, and and it was it was an absolute aberration, and and the, and the late goals that brought it back to I think it was what was a thirty, it was about a five goal loss in the end. It, it didn't. It looked a lot better on paper. Um, in the end, than it felt. It felt like we got absolutely smashed by ten plus. Um, and in in reality. That's kind of how the game was, and I think i I call back to that one a lot too because I think we had three marks in top 50 for the entire night um just forward structure was non-existent um you know we we'd seen Todd Marshall kick five goals the week before in the showdown uh, while it was a loss it was like we thought we but you know we just we, it was non-existent but we've seen since then that Marshall started to find his form against better sides Finlayson's uh, found his form as well, and there's lots of reasons behind why he was he had a um stop start start to his career at Alberton, and certainly um you know a real impressive feat for what he him, and his family have come through I've talked about that before and you can look it up what him and his family have gone through and continue to go through with um Kelly's battle but um you know really um always you know thoughts out with them always but you know there's a lot of things going on at the start of the year that uh, you know not any one thing is the reason, but it's just you convolute a few things, you know, Marshall getting into form, uh, no Charlie Dixon obviously for the first half of the year, Finn just finding his way into a new side while he's going through some some massive personal battles um, and then just the fact that we were just shit out of form uh, on top of that, around that, you know, it wasn't just the forward line as the you know midfield just wasn't firing, um, back line was uh, <laughs> just under siege really because we were just seeding so much position that the back line was just having to just repel so much and, and obviously there were some injuries here and there and it just was like we were at our lowest ebb. Yeah, we had we were missing a few guys with injury in that game, um, and just, just, just the lowest ebb of our season. So we look at that and we go look at everything that went wrong in the first five weeks, and the, a lot of it can be summed up in that game. We look at where we are now. Um, Todd Marshall, one of the most accurate kicks in that, well, the most accurate kick in the competition, I think, still with the top thirty players in goal kicking as far as shots. Converted for goals and all that stuff. Um he's running at seventy percent ish, I think, still now. Um you know, Marshall playing well, Dixon back and playing a fair bit of a handy role in the ruck, as well as just being, you know, when he's up forward, he's just an, he's a battering ram of a player and he, he he demands attention from opposition defenders. Um, in an underrated way. You know, a lot of people go, Well, he's not he's if he's not clunking, you know, you know, eight marks a game and kicking three or four goals and but he's doing so much more in, in that structure as far as just he, he demands attention from defenders and um certainly what he's doing around the ground in the ruck and stuff has been pretty impressive as well. So there's a lot of things that have changed since then. And one of the biggest things is kind of Rosie's form. You know, we've we've finally just started to find that that way of getting him through running. You know, he's still playing that kind of half forward role a lot. Um, but he's he's we're just finding more midfield time for him. And it's just touches. You know, it's kinda of like um, you know, getting a promising young I don't know why I do basketball analogy, analogies a lot, but it's a, it's the a sport that kind of um, makes the most, you know, when you're trying to uh, talk about players that get, getting into more of a game rhythm, sometimes they just need touches. You know, you need to get them from being 24 minutes a game in basketball to, you know, your 32, 33 minutes a game, get them involved in the rotation more. And that's what, you know, kind of Rosie, you know, he's on the field, but he wasn't involved in the rotation of the midfield run. And w- especially in that round four match against Melbourne, he really, w- we were still just, we hadn't quite, thrown him thrown the gauntlet down to him uh, as far as giving him that more midfield time and he's now done that for you know 10 11 weeks now and and been a big part of the reason that we've gone whatever there is whatever the run has been since eight and three or whatever since um since we started on five so you know this is this kind of game is such you know there's so many things that we're trying to parallel and and rebound from a from that game against Melbourne back in Round Four, but this and Connor Rosie is kind of the you know the singular player and example epitome of where how much different we are to or hope we are you know with the game the proof will be in the pudding after the final final siren goes tomorrow, um, but you know Rosie's form you know people are talking about him this week a lot after that four goal performance against the Giants and what twenty four disposals. You know, he's getting his hand on the ball. He's not an accumulator like... And the Sam Walsh comparison is always going to be there because of Kane Corns and, and Twitter and everything. But, um, you know, they're two different players. You know, Sam Walsh is going to always be a bit more of an accumulator as far as disposals go. You know, Rosie's never going to be your Clayton Olivers and stuff who are impacting the game in the sense of having 35, 40 disposals. He might have that game here and there, but those guys just accumulate more and damage that way. But what Rosie's doing... And, it, who knows, it Guess it just depends how his body develops in the next couple of years and how... But you know, kind of some of his feats of you know fleet footedness and all that kind of stuff um, that he has at the moment. You know, it, it depends how his body develops while keeping that kind of uh, kind of game going. So, um, you know, beyond that, um, you know, he's really just uh, he to me, he really epitomises what where we're going um, at the moment uh, compared to where we were then uh, against Melbourne. So. I am um, super excited to see how he goes and kind of just uh, and how that kind of his central role in that uh, and banishing those demons a little bit, um, you know, that's a, a little plan of words, but really isn't. There's a lot of demons we have from um, w- what happened in that first, that 0-5 start that we need to kind of get rid of. Melbourne are not the team, you know, they started what, 9-0 uh, and 0 or 10-0 and 0 or something like that, and they've lost a few games since then. Um. So they're not quite where they've been the last, uh, you know, since since the start of the season. Obviously, they're still the Melbourne Demons, the defending premiers, top two. I think they've just been knocked off by Geelong on the on the table as far as leading at the moment. Um, I can't quite remember exactly. I'm not going to bother looking it up right now. Um, But you know, they're they're just there a little bit for the taking at the moment as well. Not that they're a bad side. Now all of a sudden, they're just they're not quite at that that pomp that they've been um, at times, you know, obviously late last year and then at the start of this year as well. when they were just, um, you know, comfortably finding a way to win. Um, but we've got to be at our best and show that we've had uh, such a rounded and a hundred percent improvement since um, round four. That's the main thing. Um, as far as the game goes, uh, we've got like no Clayton Oliver for Melbourne is huge. Um, obviously we've seen what happens sometimes when, we're missing players, you know, we were missing Boak a few weeks ago and we actually found a way to just, you know, other players got their touches. It's kind of that touches and, you know, 24 minutes versus 32 minutes NBA thing. Sometimes you actually find uh, a way to win pretty comfortably. It's not that like you didn't not, the team's always going to be better with Clayton Oliver, but they've got some pretty talented player team to be able to kind of cover for the losses of Clayton Oliver. Certainly having a guy like Christian Petrarca and, and the other um, talented players they've got in that side uh, will lend itself to being still... But, you know, Clayton Oliver is such a class act and just been such a, especially when they got into that premiership kind of form last year, it was him truly realising that potential that he has as actually the best player on that team. You know, you can say Christian Petrarch is the, an X factor in the sense of what he does, you know, kind of like that Norm Smith performance in the grand final, but Clayton Oliver is really that straw that stirs the drink, you know. And, and more so, you know, and that's like... Some of the straw that stirs the drink thing can be, you know, talked about for underrated players and players that kind of just do the workmanlike things. But um, Clayton Oliver is classy as fuck, um, incredible ball user, incredible um, silky skilled user, and a accumulator of uh, of high quality possessions. So you know he's he's a massive loss, regardless. But that's what I'm kind of contradicting myself because he's a massive loss, but also this is the Melbourne Demons that were um, have been a pretty much a, a quite a decent juggernaut over the past. Year and a half up until probably uh, when you know Melksham may decide to was it Melksham? Yeah, well, you know, the two that decided to um, sling a few barbs at each other in a restaurant and then, and then get into a massive fight. Um, you know, it, it seems to be since then that just the little things have just they haven't been quite as good, but um, certainly not saying that that's that's had a deep impact, but it's it's just a little weird that they've just been a little slightly off the boil um, lately, but um, yeah. I think, uh, you know, you've got Melksham, Tomlinson and Rivers in. Um, pretty decent ins. Um, Jake Bowie's been um, omitted uh, for them and um, Petty's out as well. But Jake Bowie's been omitted. He was the one at one point what was it, his first 17 or 18 games in the AFL. He, he hadn't experienced a loss, including playing in that premiership team. So a pretty decent young player. And he's just, I guess, they're just they're switching things around. Um, yeah, there's still a pretty strong side is my main point here. So we're going to be in at the best. Obviously, the big news for Port here is that uh Riley Bond is back in. There's been a lot of talk on the twitters, on the twitters. Uh you know about Jace Burgoyne being omitted. I get the disappointment in that. I I do. I get the disappointment in that. Um he's had an incredible, you know, well, he hasn't been incredible. He's just had a really really good couple of first games. Great. He's had a great couple of first games. He didn't deserve to be omitted, but then who were you dropping? I mean, okay, yeah, there's the people on Twitter. that has got DBJ, you know, has a has a Ken Hinkley free pass. And then some people have been saying that about Riley Bonner as well. Riley Bonner has been good since you know, this year and, and towards the end of last year as well. I, I know it's hard for some people to accept, but Riley Bonner has been good. Yes, he'll butcher, you know, he'll get 25, he's getting 25 possessions or something. He'll butcher a couple of them to the and because it's Riley Bonner, you notice it. But he's good. He is a worthy inclusion. He's played he's been good enough that he deserves to come back into the side when he's fit. It's not a Ken Hinkley free pass. It's just Riley Bonner's a good player to have in the side. So I will just put that out there. Um the other ones that you could just maybe say that you know, I mean I don't get Darcy byrne Jones, but Darcy Byrne Jones is a good player too. Like it's just, it's frustrating the people that just think that these guys, you know, Darcy Byrne Jones, who won our best and fairest in 2020, when it wasn't like winning the best and fairest at a 14th place team, as a guy, a team that was a kick away from the grand final. He was one of our best players. Yes, he hasn't been up to that quite that standard, but it doesn't mean he's, he's dropped, you know, that bad. You know, he's his position's in question, but you're not, team balance and all that stuff, you're not dropping uh, Darcy Byrne Jones for Jace Burgoyne. It's just, especially in this game, I'm not sure, you know, Burgoyne has got the experience earlier than we ever expected I don't know if you know a lot of people would have been thinking he's going to be getting a couple of games um, straight away in his first year he's shown the class but he's still got some body to build and all that stuff he's gonna get he's gonna get his chances it's just this week it wasn't quite working because miles Bergman and Jackson Mead have also deserved this sh- so which one are the young ones are you dropping I don't know miles Bergman, probably a bit more body wise just did a little bit more ad- ahead of of Burgoyne and then Jackson Mead as well. He's he's up there and Mead's been having a, playing a pretty good role running through the middle as well. So it was just a case that someone was going to miss out for Raleigh Bonner and Jace Burgoyne's probably the like the one that makes the most sense to drop out. You know, it's not it's just there's not a huge conf, controversy here despite the people that you know. I, I was disappointed to see him drop out too, but then when I had a look at the squad, I just kind of went, I don't know who you're taking out for him unless you're being snarky and just want to make a point about Darcy Byrne-Jones or whatever and it's just you're not dropping Darcy Byrne-Jones for Jace going at this juncture so that's just what it is um you know some players have earned you know people say these free passes and all that some players have earned through having a pretty damn good career so far to not just get dropped at the you know at the drop of a hat that's just the way it is in um adult football world okay um but yeah Really excited to see Raleigh Bonner back in and um, and to see the continued development of the likes of Jackson Mead, who's come in and been pretty serviceable and been pretty had some pretty nice bursts of speed, good serviceable skills and really um, quite silky at times. So, yeah, there's some things to be excited about despite the disappointment of Jace Burgoyne. And I know we're all excited for Jace Burgoyne too because he's the son of a gun and the Burgoyne family at Port Adelaide, all that stuff. He's going to get plenty more chances. He's shown in those first couple of games. He's gonna be good and we're we're gonna be fine. Um and he's gonna be fine. But uh yeah. That's about it really for the the preview. Um oh the first last thing I'll talk about, I'll just throw a quick um I had a look at the I haven't actually had a look at the betting odds tonight. I wrote these notes down uh, last night. Um 1020 Friday night. <laughs> I've got as my note. I was sitting, I was having a couple of late frothies last night and just was writing down some notes for me to make sure I didn't completely ramble off um that well, probably sounds like I have but I was actually running off some brief notes um surprisingly I know people are listening to this going oh my god you just sound like you're just off off the reservation but no I actually write notes um they just don't make much sense which is why I sound like I'm off the reservation anyway um betting at uh, 1020 last night was Melbourne were paying dollar fifty port two dollars fifty four uh line ten and a half so you know it's um for a team that started 0 and five playing against the defending premiers you Think if you just knew that, oh, this team started on 5 a few months ago. The other team's defending premiers, and started, you know, 8-0 or 9-0, wherever they started. You'd expect that line to be far bigger. and and But it just shows the contraction of both teams towards each other in this last month or two. You know, Melbourne haven't been as good as expected based on the fact that they're defending premiers in their start of the year and Port have been better, far better than they were to their start of the year. So they've kind of contracted uh close to each other and actually made an interesting thing for probably the, the an interest, interesting betting market really um if you're wherever you're wanting to put your money. So for me, not that I'm betting on, I just I always like looking at betting lines as a way of just making seeing where the game stands in the betting markets compared to where I've been thinking. That's kind of where I'm at, is just that these two teams are a bit closer to each other than and form lines in the first month and a half of the season dictated. Uh, so you know, ten and a half is pretty close. That's they're expecting a a close, you know, a decently close game. And I am the fact that we are, actually I think we're three and zero oh up against any match against Melbourne up in up in Alice. I think we haven't lost in three three goes against them. So you know, I just think the Alice Springs factor just throws it a little an extra kind of equalizer on the board too, because it's just a game a ground that neither team plays at that much. Um, you're not having Melbourne coming in there swagger like they're playing at the G or anything like that. So there's another kind of little little um, kind of wrinkle there for that too. So for that I'm sitting there going, fuck it I reckon we can win this one by 20 points. So I'm just going to put that down. Port by 20 let's fucking go. Sorry a little burp there I've just been coming back from a schnitzel and a couple of pints as well. Incredible schnitzel at the Greenock pub if you're up in the Barossa and need to a, a, grow and grab a schnitzel. This isn't advertised at all. It's just I like the guys and Love their porterhouse schnitzels. Anyway, um, yeah, port by 20. All right, that's that's the preview done. We'll just crack into a few notes about the precinct and the FLW for the last 10 15 minutes here after a quick break brought to you by no sponsors. It's just a break. All righty, so um, I mentioned at the top of the um, recording here that we uh, popped down, uh, what was it Wednesday? Just serendipitously had the uh, day off when uh, bought. You know, announced that they're, they're open trainings, being a school holidays to do a few open trainings, get the kids out there, which is wonderful. There was a good crowd down there. Um, you know, just good energy. There's good energy in the gym. Um, and, uh, and just it was beautiful. Like for a winter's morning, you couldn't have asked for better weather. You know, it was, it was cold, but the sun was out, blue skies, um, you know, relatively no breeze. It was just a perfect kind of winter's morning for an open training session down at Alberton. Um, which is awesome. And it was kind of the first chance. I think it was probably the first open training they've done since the whole precinct um, complex kind of opened the, you know, the restaurant they've completely redone the club down there. Um, Anyone that's been around the Port Adelaide, you know, Port Adelaide for a fair while knows the old, you know, I love the old, Um, you know, the, the bar down, to, you know, the old bar and everything. It was very much old school footy, but for a club, you know, looking to go into the 21st century of, um you know professional sports and and having a club that is really um attractive to bring in you know just just for the uh, the fan experience down at alberton and certainly with the aflw coming in and the port ladies playing down at uh, at alberton and and certainly for the the magpie the sandful team the magpies and all that stuff continuing uh and just continuing to have a club that um you know it, it, on the money-making side of it, just continue an enterprise that continues to draw people in just as a as a tourist thing even because that's actually how good it is now is the fact that you can go down there, the precinct they've, you know, completely just built this restaurant on top of like the old, you know, kind of the old where you know where you could eat downstairs, the old that's kind of really above that and overlooking um Albert and Oval and it is stunning. It is absolutely breathtaking what they've done there. I remember when they announced this a couple of years ago what they're looking to do. I just, I could, I just had these you know, the imagination of what it was going to be and it's just it's just um, surpassed all of that because it's so open. Like, I, I guess that's like obvious what they're going to do. You know, you're, you're using Albert and Oval as your kind of vista for everything that the restaurant and, and you know, bar is about is about you know, taking in the views of Albert and Oval and, and letting that kind of light um, and, and energy wa- wash in over the restaurant part of it. And an incredible job they've done there. Um, highly recommend going down and checking it out whenever you can. We didn't have a feed down there, that'll probably happen soon. We just, um, we, uh, we got down there for the open training and, and you know, you walk into the old, the old main entrance to the Port Club there, but instead of, you know, in front of you seeing like the, you know, the bar off to the side and the store to the left, now you have the museum to the left kind of taken up where the old store was. Uh, museums are really great, a lot of um, great memorabilia in there and obviously lots of lots and lots of history there because that is the Port Adelaide Football Club. Um, fuck your haters out there That is the Port Adelaide Football Club We are the Port Adelaide Football Club We have 152 years of history You are the mob, don't um, So you've got that to the left um, Which is great to have a wander through And, and really take in It's quite um, open Lots of cool um, information Just remember They're like a VHS of You know, the first showdown All that kind of random stuff But then some really high-end um, You know, old kits And old Guernseys And, and the, the premiership cups And all that stuff um, just lots of fun stuff there. And then, um, you know, to the left where the old store was, that's where the museum is. And then kind of um, in front of that is... Um, so, you've got the stairs up to the precinct right in front of you. But then kind of under that is where the store is now. A lot bigger st- as well. Uh, I mean, floor size, yeah, it's bigger than the old store. It's not like super, super huge. But it's still... its There's a lot more going on in that store. A lot more stuff in there. Um, super packed after the training session. I... Walked in, there, grabbed a stealth Guernsey off the shelf, uh, off the rack. Um, then saw the line was like twenty people deep, and was like, just went on my phone. Saw they had them online. I was just like, fuck it, I'm putting an online order in later, and um, and I did. So I'm waiting for that to turn up. Um, but yeah, I didn't buy anything in the store because it was so busy. But I did the online order. So, um, but yeah, the store's great. Um, and but yeah, the, the stairs, the old because they got the wood from the old pylons, um, like like resource some wood. I, th- I think the story behind that. You'll have to look it up the story that they found it in some mid north barn I think maybe or someone had just these this wood stored from the old some old wharf pylons and they just managed to find it and they've repurposed that into the kind of the wood the thick wood you know um structure that leads that, that is part of the stairs leading up to the precinct. so i love and then that's in the um there's some great photography from daryl paul who obviously we love um him from his port adelaide days as a play he's done done a really great job of continuing his investment in the Port Adelaide community with his, um, if you're on Instagram or on Facebook, follow the It's Port Adelaide photography pages. It's uh, Paul Lee's uh, photography and does a great job of just continually showcasing the beauty of the port. Um, he's got some photography that, like, goes along the left. So if you go upstairs on the left, that's his kind of his uh, um, kind of panor- panoramic scenery of the port, the wharf and the, and the waterway and the port uh, river and all that stuff. So that's great and there's the more pylons um featured there and then just when you walk up the stairs and look straight out in front of you it's it's Albert Oval. it's God's country um and it's beautiful um and the restaurant a lot of room up there a lot of tables a lot of space um we sat down on the deck out the front we found a table and we had a coffee and uh, I think it was La Coya, um cockatoo motlop or um one of the th- one of the twins in the uh in the um uh, I apologize. We've got the name because I know one of them is cockatoo. Mot- 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 one of the cockatoo Collins, pretty sure. Um, anyway, one of the twi- one of the twins um, that's uh, going to be a part of a great inaugural AFLW side. She was actually working in the cafe, so she was delivering coffees. And um, Gemma Houghton was floating around up there at one point. Uh, so it's just kind of while watching the open training, getting a feel for the community of the club. You know, you got the AFLW players floating around while the, the AFL men's are out there doing their training session, and there's you know thousands of kids and. Getting around, just a wonderful community club. It was just like, I was sitting there on the deck having that coffee and then an hour an hour later, having myself a sneaky little 11 a.m. pint. Um, just taking in the fact that we have this club, this wonderful place, this wonderful part of our community. It's been at Alberton for it's, you know 142 years now. Um, such an integral part of what makes this club so exceptional above all others is others. just this place that we have, this place of coming together to be um to be Port Adelaide people, um, you know, <laughs> we can I can be snark say, look you know, look at the other mob, they still haven't even found their place and we've had our place for 142 years now and it continues to grow and flourish. And now it's just been wonderfully improved again um uh, with what they've done down there, uh with the with the precinct, overlooking light, like, to be able to do what they've done. Especially I, I said to the wife the better half while we was sitting there, I was just like, It's amazing. this all this building and structure is so there's so much age and 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 heritage to it and the way they've been able to carefully reconstruct it all while take keeping everything that makes the place so historic and wonderful while adding this this new new part to it and this you know state of the art kind of way of investing in the in the in the area or the the oval and and re you know making this wonderful restaurant and bar to take in the views of albert and oval all that stuff it's just Absolutely wonderful thing they've done there. So I highly recommend you check it out. I know anyone that's listening from overseas, um, yeah, <laughs> when you do that when you do that bucket list trip to get over and see a port game, obviously at Adelaide Oval, you know, I'd, needless to say, anyone that's thinking about doing that is obviously going to be taking going to take in Alberton as well and it'll be well worth your time. It's, it's a wonderful, wonderful, um, wonderful thing they've done down there. So I'm really, really happy to have seen it finally. And yeah, um, Monday morning, I think they the better I ask her to go into an MRI and that troublesome knee she's had from soccer and uh, I'll probably sneak down and have a coffee up there again after that I think because it's just a cool spot to see and I want to need to go check out the store when there's not um, 50 kids running around in there which not against the 50 kids running around and spending lots of um, their parents' hard-earned money on Port Adelaide merchandise because that's good for the club but um, sometimes it's nice to go down there when it's a little bit quieter as well which is what I'll be doing Monday but um yeah just awesome just awesome really happy with it and uh just really impressed that we've kind of got that done um and there's still lots more development to go there they're finishing off the aflw rooms and there's the whole redevelopment of the uh the um eastern side of it um with the you know all the you know the next stage of the development and that's going ahead and that's all good but yeah the fact they've got this part of it done that we can all enjoy as Port fans go down, and have a beer and uh, and overlook Albert de Even you know when there's not a game going, it's probably be the most some of the most beautiful times. Just to reflect on the club we have and and take it all in. Yeah, it's really cool. I fucking love it. I can't I can't speak enough on it. Um, yeah, the the feeling of seeing it for the first time was awesome. So yeah, that's the precinct stuff. And um, yeah, I'll just uh quickly touch on the FLW um bit in a second and then wrap this one up. Alrighty, so to finish off here we'll have a bit of just a light-hearted look at the um uh, the AFLW jumper numbers were revealed um a couple of days ago I think it was. Um so we get to see what um numbers are uh, the wonderful historic first um women's side to uh, take on the take on the Port Adelaide jumper and, and do us proud on the field. Um they've dropped the jumper numbers, so we don't have a number 1 yet. That's the first thing to point out. We haven't had a captain named yet, so Oh, uh, there's no number one jumper yet, but they've all picked their numbers, and obviously one of those people will take on the number one jumper, and and uh, I guess the other numbers just kind of their you know their number when they're not captain. So kind of how it works. Um, so yeah, it's um it's really it's really fun because basically they've done this article, and you can I'll i pop in show notes or something like that. Um, but they've got it's on the if you go to the FOWS section of Port Adelaide's website, there's the I think the most recent article still is um the, the article. With their jumper numbers, a really good shot of how flash their lockers are, by the way. Some nice lockers they've got there for the ladies, which is wonderful. Um, but yeah, it's an article basically. Each player's got a little bit of a breakdown of their uh, of um, their jumper number selection. So we'll run through them quickly. Um, so uh, well you can have a look at I just I'll have a look at some of them. Um, basically, Ebony, Ebony O'Day's got number two. She, says, she basically says she always tries to end, opt for the highest or lowest number available to get an end locker. She said it worked with number 50 at Collingwood with a backfired here as she's ended up right in the middle of the room apparently with number two. But she says having the ball that is SPP as my AFL jumper buddy is pretty sick is what she says. So that's awesome. That gets kicked off. Um, Ange Foley's old school. She's at number three. She, mine is a bit boring. It's just always been a footy number so it became a lucky number which is, I think that's how some people have ended up with lucky numbers if you've grown up playing footy or something like that. So that's really cool. Um, yeah, so she <laughs> then you get... Um, and Jade Halfpenny at number four. Her old number at Norwood is 22, which is also her first ever basketball number, but her number 22 was taken. it be very obvious to anyone listening who knows the history of Port Adelaide and Aaron Phillips and uh, Greg Phillips um, why number 22 was taken. Um, but so she went with, uh, so instead with 22 being taken, two plus two equals four. So you've got the reasons like this. Uh, you've got A- Abby Darick at number five, dad's favorite number, and one of her favorite numbers too. Um, Jackie Austin at six. Oh, she loves Tyson Goldsack. That was his number at Collingwood. Yasmin Derzma has number seven. No need to expand on that. Obviously, matching up with her brother at uh, with the number seven in the AFL men's side. So that's awesome. And in the article, they've got that great shot of um, Xavier and Yasmin uh, standing in front of the Alan Scott headquarters there. Um, just a, just a, one of those great little stories that's come out of the inaugural side uh, building. Um, Tessa Dumanis. Uh, she's got number t- number eight. Sorry. Um, really cool reason that she's got um, she's got um, her nickname is Silk uh, with Sean Burgoyne so that's part of it she um, he, you know he's number eight at Port um, and she's also a, uh, she's looked up to Kobe Bryant um, as kind of an inspiration to his mentality of sport which is bodes well for us too because anyone that tries to take Kobe Bryant kind of intensity to to footy if they've got some skills then she's going to be just fine so um, he was number eight obviously in his early years as a, as a Laker so that's that one Rhea Maloney at number nine. No specific reason, just a random pick. Fuck it, that works. And number nine's not bad. Your jumper buddy in number nine ain't bad either. Um, Indy Tahu at number 10. She said, I want to start and finish my career wearing my favorite number, especially here at Port. So that's really cool. Jade DeMello at number 11. It's her lucky number. Fucking dope. <laughs> Some reasons like that. Um, Hannah Ewing, she's got number 12. Um, she, Their family and her grew up wearing number 12. So... Um, she thought it was even more special wearing it for Port. So that's awesome. Sarah Goodwin, I'm intrigued by this. She says, I chose this, she, she's number 13. I chose this number as an inside joke I have with my friends Matilda in India. So um, there's an inside joke as to why she's wearing number 13. One of uh, the number I've always liked wearing is number 13 as well. So um, I don't know. I just always, I'm kind of just weird in the sense that I was like, it's an unlucky number apparently. So I'm going to just go against the grain um, and, then wear number th- and like number 13 as well. Uh, Justine Mules at the 14th is an anniversary date. So there's a nice little nice little reason there, um, a little bit of something to uh, remember with the partner and everything. Um, Julia Teakle at number 15. She's got Chris Judd. I just realized I'm running through these, but that's fine. Uh, she chose number 15 because she loves Chris Judd growing up. He wore number five. Um... She likes numbers in the teens as well. And since five wasn't available, she went with uh, number 15. So there's the other Teagle. It's, um, It's wonderful that we've got like these family stories here with Julia Teagle coming over uh, shortly after Bryn Teagle came over and all that stuff. Um, Maggie McLaughlin, number 16. Number 16 belonged to former Fremantle player Lisa Webb, which is the club I was at her beforehand. Um, her son Leo is my favorite kid in the world. So just a little bit of a friend, friendship thing there. Uh, Ella Bogue, uh, she, number seven was taken. That's her favorite number. So she chose 17. Um, Olivia Levicki, she wanted to number nine, but that was taken. One plus eight equals nine. And she loves the way Zach Butters goes about it for his game. Uh, so she's number 18. Alex Ballard, uh, wore number 19 at Sturt. Um, and Sturt's been a big part of her footy journey. So she chose number 19. Um, Masachi Sion with number 20. No particular reason. Just looks neat on my flash locker. Love that. Um, Emily Borg, uh Twenty-two is the first number she she won her first ever premiership wearing number twenty-two. Obviously, number twenty-two was taken by a pretty special player in uh, we'll get to next. So she's chosen number twenty-one it was the closest one to it. Aaron Phillips, it was my dad's number when he played for Port Adelaide. Just mic drop after that. Just mic drop. Fuck like it, it's Aaron. Like it's it's one. I'm so glad we get to see Aaron Phillips. Uh, the Phillips name running around number twenty-two, but Aaron Phillips who has despite you know everything that her, her dad did what at least she's forged her own just wonderful path in the world of sports and just one of the greatest athletes but australia's ever produced period and she's wearing her dad's number for our first aflw side it's really i i keep imploring people to take in the um majesty of the hist- history of the moment we're living in and um i i continue to say that because you know you can cont- consider aaron phillips career obviously that the fact that it's some of that career is at adelaide and all the success there is a little bit yeah it's a little bit tough at times but she's deserved that success and then just she's won WNBA titles like she's won titles at the highest level in women's basketball as well it's just like everything she's done is just um, quite amazing really so I continue to implore everyone to um, appreciate the moment we're living in um, Lily Johnson at number 23 it's a favorite number easy um, henna Dunn at number 24 she likes number 2 but 2 and 22 were taken um, when she played for Gold Coast so she went with 24 um, so yeah, again, she uh, moved to port two and twenty two were both taken again, so she's carried on wearing number twenty four um kate sermon number twenty six my mate who helped me get to the AFLW water number twenty six so I picked it for him easy um, gemma Houghton uh number seven was a basketball number when she was a kid, but she used um but that was taken when she got drafted uh or taken in the inaugural uh, Fremantle season this is now the seventh season that she's going to be wearing number 27 and it's just become sentimental. So it's kind of cool that she's got that, you know, different people have different reasons. She got that number by just default, you know, but as one to pick when she got into the AFL. Um, and it's just kind of grown with her and she's continuing with that. And we, we're very um, keen to see her continue that great, great career wearing number 27 on the back, uh, kicking some bags for Port Adelaide. Um, Cheyenne uh, Cheyenne Hammond, uh, she just chose 28 because 29 was taken. Um, so yeah, she's uh she's won a premiership, um got drafted all wearing number twenty nine, but twenty nine was taken, so she's um she's basically said she's grateful to you know forge a new path wearing number twenty eight. Um, Liz McGrath, she's uh she wants to wear number sixty, which was Emma King's number, but she took um. Ah, uh, she's uh she's she likes she likes the idea wearing the same number as a successful ruck as a successful ruck, so, you know she um. When she signed the report, she was like, I thought I'd continue on the theme and share a bit of Scott license Magic. So, number 29, which is cool. Now, you got the Cockatoo, uh, so Latonya Cockatoo Collins uh, and Laquoia Cockatoo Motlop uh, wearing number 30 and 31, which is they're basically matching up with their uh, their twin uncles that were playing at Melbourne. So, um, so Latonya's uh, wearing the same number as David Cock- Cockatoo Collins, and uh, Laquoia's wearing the same number as Donald, Co- Donald Cockatoo Collins with number 30 and 31. So, that's really cool again just the connection of family and history with some of these players and stuff is really cool uh and Britt perry rounds it out wearing number 33 it was her original basketball number when it was a kid when she was a kid number 33 doesn't have a bad history in the uh in the in the history of basketball either um larry bird um so yeah she's had she's um had three numbers since but she's re- returning to number 33 um and obviously the the, his, the heritage of port adelaide players that have worn it before as well so yeah really cool um A lot of varying reasons there. Some people are just picking different numbers, you know, have worked out ways to pick a number because the other number, their favorite number was taken. And and I guess, I don't know who was in first with some of these numbers, because I feel like the some that didn't get the number they wanted, even though they were there before, but maybe I've just got my timeline of who, when the people signed um, wrong, but uh, you know, either way, it's just, it's cool. We get to now start celebrating um, each player with their Jersey number and, um, and start doing a numerology with numbers and 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 our favourite players and and you know people that are looking at maybe uh, you know AFLW kits, uh, guernseys now as well. They can start looking at getting the which guernsey they want with whose number on the back. Surely there'll be a few 22 ones getting about. Uh, there's lots of great players that are going to be t- uh, taking the field for us in this first year, and um, really excited to see these numbers uh, forge. You know some numbers that have got some great history with Port Adelaide, um, and you know. B- a f- you know a new a new uh, page in that history book, uh, being forged as well. You know, like Yasmin Dursman wearing number seven, such a big number. You know, twenty two for Aaron Phillips. So they're all, um, forging a new another page in that um another you know in that history book for Port Adelaide. That's such a rich history book. Which by the way, there's a new book coming out, um, or a new set of history books for Port Adelaide, which I'm looking forward to getting into as well. Um, so yeah, just a fun. You know, I've I've kind of run over that. So um, but yeah, good. Good little article, fun article to have a look at. Um, as we continue to count down to the uh, AFLW season kicking off, and just getting, getting fucking shit, shit and fucking excited for um, just seeing this 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 new page in the in this wonderful, rich tapestry of history this club has. Um, this is an awesome moment to be living through, and um, really cool to just be continue to see these little 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 milestones as they as they come as they come and go. So yeah, that's about it gone for 40 minutes here, I'm fucking knackered um, I think I'll be, but just about wrap it up here and um, finish this beer and um, go have a bit of a kit before I work another day tomorrow another day, another dollar um, anyway, thanks for listening as always um, appreciate you all as always as well and uh, yeah, calm the pair let's hope we get another win tomorrow get ourselves ahead of the win-loss ledger a little bit now and, um, and continue you know, a continue keeping that flame alive for September, um, as unlikely as it is uh, we're, st- we're keeping it alive and um, every win gets us a little bit closer so yeah come a pair take it easy and we'll talk to you soon